Okay, I'm pulling out of my garage. That means it's time for another drive to work. So today, I thought I would talk about a set that I did not lead, but I was on. I realized I have a lot of, a lot of podcasts to do, so um, I thought, thought it'd be fun to sort of talk about stuff where I was in the supporting role. Um, anyway, so where do I start? So Invasion um, had a team of three. Bill Rose, who's the current VP of R&D, and Mike Elliott, who uh, was a longtime uh, designer. Um, let me talk a little bit about, about sort of where this all comes from. So I believe that there is a couple different uh, waves of R&D. So the first wave of R&D was the people that worked with Richard on the initial design, the original playtafters, and that back in 94, a bunch of them, uh, Scaff Elias, Jim Lynn, Dave Petty, Charlie Catino, they came and, to Wizards when Magic first uh, you know, became popular. Um, so the second wave is what I, I consider myself part of, which was in 95, a year later, um, basically what happened was they, Wizards was doing so much stuff that they needed more R&D people, and the people that were there were interested in working on other things, so they wanted to bring people in to work on magic. So what happened was, so I've told my story a billion times. Basically, I was freelancing for The Duelist, and I turned into other freelancing work, and eventually I said I'd be willing to come to Wizards. They hired me. Um, so Bill Rose uh, was one of the original playtafters. Uh, he could have been in the first wave, except he didn't come out that fast. He had a job, and by the time he was able to come out, well, you know, the, the second wave had already started. But he knew everybody from the first wave, so he was much more connected. In fact, it's funny. Um, when I first came out to Wizards, uh, I was there about a month before I was going to come back. Uh, it was my last like freelance trip, and I was trying to secure myself a desk because there were a lot of fights us for desks. And there was an open desk, but uh, Joel Mick had saved this one desk for Bill. So even though I was there trying to claim a desk, it was already claimed for Bill. Anyway, so Bill was one of the original playtesters, but he came out a little bit later. Um, he got, I mean, he knew everybody was how he got, um, he got hired. Uh, Mike Elliott was actually at a game convention uh, he had not done much game design, but uh, on his own, he had made his own magic set, and he was very interested in game design, and I think he met Joel Mick. So Joel Mick, real quickly, when Richard um, first started playtesting, he had people he played with, and they were kind of groups. And as you'll see in a second, these groups would, would go to make some sets that became, uh, obviously, very famous magic sets. Um, Joel Mick was part of the same group as Bill Rose's group, the group that made Mirage. Um, and Joel had come out early along with some of the other people. And so Joel was one of, the, maybe the first head designer slash developer. Back then it was a combined thing. The head designer and head developer were one position. Um, and so uh, Joel was at a convention. He met Mike. Mike intrigued him. They talked a lot about magic. He liked what Mike was saying. And so uh, he pressed him enough that they ended up offering him a job. Um, the other two people that I would say were sort of second wave, a guy named William Jockish, who literally, he wrote a letter to uh, Richard Garfield. He was a math professor, like Richard had been, and he just, I don't know, he said the right things in the letter, and uh, he and Richard talked, and Richard gave him a job. Um, and the final person who came a little later with the tail end of second wave would be Henry Stern. Um, I knew Henry from L.A., and I was the one that recommended uh, we hire him. And he had back-to-back -back world top fours, and so we knew that he was someone who had some play experience and knew what he was doing. Uh, anyway, so in the time of Invasion, um, what had happened was two years earlier, we had made Urza Saga. 
And for those that don't know, Urza Saga Block was uh, one of the biggest train wrecks. I mean, uh, as far as power, we just made a set that was crazy, crazy powerful. Um, I mean, I know the joke of the time when, when Urza Saga came out was there was the early game, which was shuffling, and there was the mid-game, which was choosing to mulligan or not, and then there was the end game, turn one. Uh, anyway, we got pulled into the office and chewed out by our CEO the first time it ever happened. Um, I'm sure when I do the Urza Saga uh, podcast, I will get more into this. But anyway, we got chewed out. We were basically told if we made another broken block, we would all be fired. Uh, and then McKinney Mask came around. Uh, that was not a broken block by design. Uh, but Invasion was the set after that, and we kind of knew we needed to get back, you know, get Magic back up. Because we, 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 McKinnon Mass was kind of lowballed on purpose, because um, we had a lot of motivations not to overshoot. But we said, okay, we really need to, you know, Magic, we, we knew there was a, do, it was a downturn on, on McKinnon Mass. Like, okay, we need to come back strong and do something really cool. Um, and so, to explain what happened here, let me, let me go back a little bit and talk about where Richard first, um, so when Richard had the playtesters, Magic goes off. Magic's successful. And Richard's like, oh, we're going to need some sets. So he turned to all the playtesters, and he, there were different groups that he worked with, and he assigned each of the groups, said, hey, make me a set. So one group was uh, Skeff Elias, Jim Lynn, Dave Petty, Chris Page, what people know as the East Coast playtesters, uh, and they ended up making Ice Age. That's the set they worked on. They would later go on to make Alliances, make Antiquities, make Fallen Empires, um, but they, the, the first set they worked on was Ice Age, um, which they called Ice Age. That was actually the, the playtest name. Uh, and then um, another group, which was Bill Rose and Joel Mick and Charlie Catino, um, that group um, was working on Mirage, called Menagerie at the time. Um, and then the final was a single person, a guy named Barry Reich. So Barry has the fame of when Richard first made Magic, like the very first person that he sat down with and played Magic with was Barry, Barry Reich, also known as Bit was his nickname. Um, so Barry uh, was assigned a, a set, but he worked by himself. So his set was called Spectral Chaos. And he, was, he came up with the idea of multicolor. Now, meanwhile, completely independent to this, uh, Peter Atkinson, who was the, one of the founders of Wizards and the CEO at the time, um, he had gone out and promised some of his friends, or people he knew, sets for them to make. Because Magic was just this runaway success very early, and they were scrambling to make sure they had enough sets. So he turned to a guy named Steve Connard, who uh, worked at Wizards at some point. I'm not sure if he worked at Wizards when he made Legends. Um, but anyway, Steve Connard and uh, Peter Atkinson were role-playing buddies. They were both big fans of Dungeons & Dragons. Peter would later go on to buy Dungeons & Dragons for Wizards uh, from TSR. And um, really, Legends was um, Steve Connard trying to take a lot of the role-playing games they had done and bring them to life. So a lot of the Legends in Legends were actual characters played by Peter and Steve and their friends. Um, Anyway, when I, when, I, when I get to... Some, someday I'll do the Legends podcast. There's a bunch of funny stories there. Um, this is one of the fun things about doing this podcast. Is like, there's a lot of other podcasts I can do. So uh, this seems like I might as well keep this going for a while. Uh, okay, so... Um, Ice Age got done right away. Uh, the, once... Uh, when Bill first got to um, Wizards, the, sort of one of the earliest things the second wave worked on was we worked on Mirage. Uh, and all of us... What happened was all five of us pretty much developed every single set. Uh, you know, now we have different development teams, but for a while, like, we were the developers, we developed every set. Um, and so what happened is, um, 
Yeah, this all tied together, I promise. Uh, so Invasion, we decided that we needed a hit. We kind of, Mercadian Mass was not, didn't go over all that well. And so Bill said, okay, I'm just putting together the strongest team I can. And that team was me and Mike Elliott and himself. Uh, we really were the three designers at the time. I mean, Bill obviously had done Mirage. I had done Tempest. Mike had done Urza Saga and Mercadian Masks. Uh, you know, uh, Mike and I had proved himself on Tempest. I talked about it at, uh, in my Tempest podcast. And really, the three of us had been the main stuff that were doing the main thrust of design. So Bill was like, okay, you know, I need my power hitters here. We need to make a good set. So let me really quickly explain uh, a little bit about about Bill and Mike. I talked a little bit about Bill already. So Bill was one of the original playtesters. Um, you know, he ended up, I think he was working in a chemistry lab. Uh, he was overseeing it, uh, an administrator. Um, uh, and then uh, Magic came out. He decided he wanted to come work for Wizards. Uh, and he came here. Mirage and Visions were, he both oversaw the design for those sets and he led the development for them as well, which is a rarity. We don't, not, not a lot of people leave both the same design and development. We don't tend to do that. Um, so uh, he came out, and Bill and I started within two weeks of each other. Although here's a funny story. So uh, Bill started two weeks before me, um, and then William started the week in between me and Bill. So we all started at the same time. Mike would start the following January. We started in October. Um, so Bill has this list, uh, what we call the uh, reach out and touch someone list, which is our phone list. And... Um, the Bill printed up the one right after he started, and then as people left, he scratched off the name. Um, and so I think Bill is now the seventh, as far as how, how long they've been at Wizards of the Coast. Um, Bill's the seventh longest. I'm, I'm ninth, I believe. Um, yeah, somebody in between us, and not even William Jackers because he's gone, but uh, somebody else in between me and Bill on our two-week span. Uh, and so Bill um, definitely was on the management track. I mean, Bill... Bill was the one who succeeded Joel Mick as being the head designer developer. And then Bill took that and ended up going and eventually becoming the VP of R&D. Um, so Bill and I have very interesting tracks in that Bill was very interesting in management. Uh, Bill loves structure. Bill loves organizing things. Bill is very good at networking and stuff. Um, I was always had a passion for design. So it's interesting that we kind of started at the same time, but we went very different paths. Um, but obviously, we work well together, and as I'll tell you in this story, we made Invasion. Um, Mike Elliott, so he got hired. He had met Joel Mick. Um, Mike, like me, started as a developer. Um, in fact, so essentially, so did um, Bill. All of us were hired as developers. The idea was we had Richard. He was the designer. We were the developers. But what happened was Richard was busy, and like, oh, we did need designers to do magic, and that's when uh, Mike and I stepped up. Uh, he and I were both on Tempest. We kind of proved ourselves. And then we started to be giving a lot of design stuff. In fact, Mike and I, for a while, we were, you know, alternating doing sets. Um, and so, another important part of this story is, let me talk a little bit about my father. Um, my dad's name Gene. He's a gamer. Gamer his whole life. Uh, I mean, he's the one who introduced me to games. Um, and when I first got into Magic, I was very excited to share with him the game because I, you know, I, like I literally, I... I first learned about magic and I, I remember calling my dad like that weekend and saying oh my god dad this is the next big thing I think I'm on the phone I'm like like, like this is like the next Dungeon Dragons although I think bigger than Dungeon Dragons um, I, I immediately saw the potential in it uh, I mean I mean, it's funny because long before the game I mean the game was just starting to take off and what people don't realize about magic is uh, uh, 
Peter Atkinson, the, the founder of Wizards, like drove up and down the West Coast demoing to game stores. And so Magic came out on the West Coast really before it hit the East Coast. Like, I, I joke that, like, I bought two boxes of Arabian Nights. I think the state of Montana got two boxes of Arabian Nights. So, like, it really took a while to, to permeate through the rest of the country. Anyway, um, so my dad um, got into Magic very early through me. Um, and when I started working at Wizards, you know, he said, hey, oh, so my dad, for a long time growing up, he was a dentist. Uh, and then he retired early, and he moved to Tahoe and became a ski instructor. Uh, mostly he loved skiing. All, all our family vacations growing up were ski vacations, and he just loves to ski. His favorite place to ski was Tahoe. It was warm, but the snow was good. So he ended up buying a house at Tahoe, and, you know, he uh, retired early, moved to Tahoe, became a ski instructor. Um, and so he said to us, you know, if I want to come up or bring my friends, you know, that he would love to entertain us. And in the early days, R&D went up a bunch of times, actually, to my dad's house. But for, th for this story, uh, Bill and Mike and I went up. Um, so the, before we got there, we, we, we only knew two things before we got there. One was, um, so they had made Ice Age, they made Mirage, but Spectral Chaos, which was Barry Wegg's set, had never been made. And, you know... There were some interesting things about it, but it, it didn't quite hold together completely. And um, so they knew that we needed to, you know, they needed to, there's there ideas that we could take out of it. Uh, meanwhile, connected to that, we kind of knew that gold as a theme was, had a lot of potential. And I talk about the different ages of design. So Invasion is why I started the start of the third age. So the first age is, you know, Richard made cards, and, the, and the, it was all about designing individual cool cards, you know, and that once uh, the second age started Mirage, where the idea of blocks came along, that you have a mechanic, it, it lasted for the course of the year, and would evolve during the course of the year. Um, Invasion was really the first time where we said, okay, let's have a, a theme that runs through the block, you know. Mirage and Tempest had story elements, um, uh, but, and as did Urza Saga and Mercane Mass to a certain extent, uh, but... Invasion is the first set that said, okay, we are about something. We have a mechanical heart. We're a gold block. That's what we are. Uh, and so we knew walking into the, to, to Tahoe, okay, we wanted to do a gold block. We wanted to, to see what we could get from Spectral Chaos. We were sort of, you know, pick up things from it. And we were going to make a set. Um, and the interesting thing is we left to go to Tahoe knowing only those two things. We came back from Tahoe a week later with, I mean, the raw skeleton of what we were doing. I mean, I'm not saying we finished it in a week, because we didn't, but we, we did an amazing amount of work. That was, a, I mean, it's not often in magic history where, like, that much sort of vision got done in that short amount of time. Um, and so, we got there, I think we skied once or twice, but other than that, we just worked every day. Um, and the, the big thing was we knew we wanted to do multicolor, uh, but we didn't quite know how. Um, so let me walk through the mechanics. Uh, I think Bill had tried to do something on Mirage where there was extra mana, and Bill had come with the idea of Kicker. Um, I, I, interesting looking back from a design standpoint, I think Kicker made a mistake of being a little too broad um, because too many other mechanics fall underneath Kicker, and Kicker should have been a little more defined. We actually have gone back and redefined it a little bit. Kicker is now, um, when you kick something, you, you make the spell better by usually making the effect better or by bringing in a second ability that, like, really synergizes with the first ability. Essentially, when you kick something, you're kind of upgrading the spell. We're trying not to do lots of other effects, so those will be different mechanics. And it does not do well to have one mechanic be in place of what could be more, you know, more fine-tuned mechanics. Um, so Bill came with Kicker. Um, 
the domain was uh, one of the things for spectral chaos. In fact, it was called the Barry mechanic because Barry Reich had made it. Uh, and one of the things Domain did that really, uh, I think this is the other thing that um, Spectral Chaos brought to the design of Invasion was the idea of play lots of colors. You know, this set said, not only am I multicolored, but I'm going to enable you to do something that you've always wanted to do but had trouble doing. Play lots of colors. Three colors, four colors, five colors. Just play tons of colors. Um, and so um, Domain helped sort of push that theme. We did a lot of enabling. I mean, in, in modern terms, we didn't do enough enabling in the land, but at the time, we'd done more than we'd ever done before. I mean, that's a common thread, by the way, in design is, like, we'll go forward and we think we're advancing a lot, and like, in retrospect, like, oh, wow, we had a lot more we could do, but it takes us a while sometimes to realize that. Um, so we had domain. Um, so split cards came about because uh, I had done Unglued. In Unglued, I made a card called BFM, Big Furry Monster. Uh, it was the most popular card of the set from all the Godbook studies. So I made a second set called Unglue 2. Not, not Unhinged, by the way. That would come later. And Unglue 2 got far in. Like, card art was done. We had art in, uh, and it got canceled. Or it got put on a hiatus, but uh, that's never a good thing. Uh, and so in Unglue 2, I was trying to sort of riff off of BFM. I said, okay, well, BFM was a card so big that it took two actual physical cards to represent the whole card. So I said, well, what if they go the opposite direction? What if instead of being so big, it's so small? What if it's so small that two cards can fit on a single magic card? Um, and the idea was, oh, well, kind of neat, you could play either card. Um, and I was very enamored with it, but Unglue 2, you know, got put on hiatus. So while we're at the house in Tahoe, I said to Bill, I go, Bill, I, I have an idea. It's a little out there, but I think it really makes sense in this set, and I, I think it's a very cool idea. So I pitched my idea of the split cards, and Bill loved it. Bill thought it was great. Mike, on the other hand, hated it. Hated it. But Bill and I liked it. Mike didn't. Eh, two to one, you know, so we went in the set. Um, the funny thing about, about split cards, I've talked about this in my column, but since you might not have read it, and it's a funny story anyway. Um, so one of the interesting things is, I like split cards. I, I mean, obviously I made them. I was enamored with them. Uh, Bill really likes split cards. He really, he got it. Like, I showed it to him, and he got it right away. Um, Richard Garfield was the one other person who I showed it, and he wasn't as excited as me or Bill, but he liked it. He goes, oh, that's, that's neat. And then other than the three of us, everybody hated it. Hated it. Because they all felt like we were just deviating too much from magic. You know? And it's funny, because it's so easy when you have, you know, the 2020 hindsight of time to go, oh, this isn't going to break magic. Oh, yeah, magic can do this. But at the time, it was very radical. And um, the thing I remember is, so I'm on the development team. Bill isn't because uh, the lead designer, by this point, isn't on the development team anymore. We separate those. Uh, but I was on the development team. And Henry Stern was the lead developer. So the very first meeting, the very first meeting, the very first things <laughs> Henry says, like the first sentence of invasion uh, development is, can we just kill these things? And I'm like, no, Henry, 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 just give them a chance. And Henry actually went to Bill, because Bill at the time was the head designer, and said, can we kill these things? And Bill said, well, you have to keep them in for a month. You know, you have to play with them. And then I calmed Henry down, because I explained to him, I said, look, Henry, we could, you know, here's how they would look like more traditional cards. We don't have to lay them out side by side. That's just one option. But, you know, look, let's play with them. We, there's multiple ways we could lay them out. Now, in the back of my head, I knew we were going to lay them out side by side. That, that's the way you do split cards. But I was just trying to convince Henry that, look, you know, don't, 
Don't let that throw you. Let's see if they're fun. Play with them. Um, meanwhile, the brand team wanted to kill them, and like Bill spent a lot of energy stopping the brand team. And like anyway, when the dust settled, it's funny because it came out. People loved them, and like you can look back now, and people are like, "Oh yeah, I love split cards." And Bill and I look at each other like, "Not back then, you didn't." Um, oh, the other great story about split cards, which I, I've never told, is so. Um, so there was a sheet of from the printing press that somehow got leaked out and ended up on eBay. And so we were worried because we had hidden the split cards. We didn't preview any of the split cards. We wanted people to open the packs and go, oh my God, what? Uh, and then there was this like actual press sheet like on eBay and people were looking at it and they're like, what is this? There's two cards in this one slot. And they just kept rationalizing away while well, that couldn't actually be what it was. My favorite was that people were like, well, this must be a test sheet. And so they don't know which card's going to go there yet. So that just represents one of those two cards will go there. So anyway, um, the pre-release for Invasion, uh, once upon a time, Wizards of the Coast had stores, had uh, like uh, stores and malls around the, uh, the country, uh, re retail stores. And our big one was in the U District, the University District near the University of Washington here in Seattle. And so I went to the U District, uh, the basement, it was a giant room, they could hold you know, hundreds of people. And so I went to watch people open up their Invasion packs. And my favorite, one of my favorite ever moments of watching someone open a pack is the guy opens the pack, um, he pulls out his cards, he takes the card, he turns it sideways, like, ha-ha, I can see, okay, he has a split card. And first, his look at his face, it's this utter, like, what? Like, he's just confused. And then he's kind of thinking, and then, like, a little, I can see the light pop in his head, and he gets all excited. And then he taps his friend on the shoulder, and he shows him the card, and his friend goes, this is the exact same facial, you know, like, what? Huh? Oh! You know, and uh, it was just great. I mean, I... I Split cards probably are still my favorite personal. I mean, I'm very proud of hybrid. There's lots of mechanics I did that I'm proud of. Flashback and, you know, uh, imprint and stuff. But the one that's sort of, I don't know, emotionally to me, uh, split cards just have a very special place in my heart. Um, and, oh, another thing. Here's a quick story about split cards. So originally, the continuity, the creative team, um, just gave them names, like you would name any card. Like, this is, you know, blah blah and that's blah blah And I'm like, but... Guys, no, 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 like, these are split cards. Like, that you need to have a... The names need to have some reflection to the fact that these both cards are the same card. And so they literally said to me, yeah, well, how do you do that? I'm like, uh, uh, I'm sure there's a way to do that. They go, we do it. So I went out and said, okay, well, we'll name the card so it's blank and blank. Um, which is crazy, by the way, that we didn't write them blank slash blank when all the names are, are done such that they're blank and blank. Uh, Godly and I tried to change this so they would be notated with an ampersand, but somehow... Somehow there's some fights that, like... Like, like the, the, the dog-hound fight that I lose. They're like, how did I lose that fight? Anyway, I lost the fight. They're blink flash. I will always say blink and blink, though. Um, and I remember my sample one's funny. Um, was uh, The very first one I did was the red-green one, which, which was called Hit and Run, because it hits you in the face with a, a, a direct damage spell, and the green thing made, like, an elephant. Um, but, uh... So, anyway, we had split cards. We had the kicker. We had, um... Uh, domain. Uh, I mean, we had a few other things. We had the cycles, like the you could play them instant speed cycle at rare. Um, but, but pretty much that was the shell of what we were putting together. Um, and the other big thing that I, I was huge of is I love cycles. 
Um, when you talk about cycles in Magic, uh, usually cycles are five-card cycles, one in each color. When you talk about multicolor, you know, you have them, like the allied colors will be a five-card cycle. Um, and I was very big on there being a lot of cycles. Uh, I was one of the ones that pushed for hard to kind of have a lot of cycles in Invasion. I mean, multicolor pushes you towards cycles anyway, but I, I think I was one of the things that really tried to get us a little more connected. Oh, another important part, uh, another big factor. So during the initial design, we designed all 10 pairings. Um, and then during the design, um, Henry Stern and I independently, I think it was either during late design, or early development, uh, he and I each went to Bill, unaware the other person went to Bill. Um, this happens a lot in, in uh, I call it you know, parallel design, where two people have a great idea and just don't realize that someone else has the exact same idea. Um, and we both basically pitched to Bill, oh, you know what, let's hold the enemy cards. Like, you know, here's a way, in my mind, Invasion was the first block planning we ever did. Because we said, oh, well, we could make a theme out of the last set if we just don't do it. That we'll have some pent-up demand, and then we'll deliver it. Uh, and it's just funny that Henry and I came up with the same idea almost the same time. We each went to Bill independently, you know, and Bill was like, that's funny, uh, you know, Henry just said that, or Mark just said that. And, and uh Anyway, that was another big part of the design. It happened late in design, I believe, because we did design. In fact, a lot of Apocalypse was designed during Invasion design. Um, and not all of it, but a, a good chunk of it. Um, so uh, we have, I had a week. We, we, we plotted things out. Um, and then we came back. And mostly it was, it was us just trying to fill things in. Oh, another thing we did that I thought I, I was very impressed with, that I was happy with, was we defined kicker in a very interesting way. So what we defined was if you had extra mana that was colorless, you were increasing your effect. But if you wanted to sort of do something else, um, you had to pay um, a, a colored mana. You, uh, and so the idea was if you're just trying to make the effect bigger, it's colorless. If you're trying to sort of broaden the effect and do other things, it had a colored on it. And so that meant that whenever you were kicking off in another color, you were adding an effect to it. That monocolor stuff tended to get bigger, and multicolor or, or monocolor with multicolor kicker, um, off-color kicker, tended to broaden out what the effect would do. Um, oh, one of the other funny things, and this is something that didn't really work out, is we came up with the idea that uh, there would be a symbol for... Um, so one of the things that was going on behind the scenes is uh, Invasion was the final part of the Weatherlight Saga. Um, that's its own blog. But uh, at the time, what happened was um, it was the culmination of the Phyrexians invading, and it was um, the Dominarians versus the Phyrexians. And it was the culmination of Urza's big plan. And, and, and here's a funny story. So this is called Invasion, because the Phyrexians are invading. Uh, uh, we always tease Mike Turian, because Mike Turian always talks about how he never gets the story. And one day we're talking about the invasion in Invasion. He's like, well, what are you talking about? We're like, well, there was an invasion. He goes, all right, I never got that. We're like, M Mike, it was called Invasion. He's like, yeah, never got that. <laughs> Which goes to show, by the way, that you, you can think you're being very obvious, that it's hard, that getting flavor across sometimes is tough. I mean, I think in recent time we've done much better of figuring out how to sort of match them, of how to take the mechanics and, and sort of sell the story through the mechanics and that it's more ingrained into the set. But back then, that's not how it worked. Like, we would design a set. We're done. Here you go, creative. And they would put a story on top of it. But there were, I mean... Tempest was the only exception because I was in charge of the story and in charge of the design. So I actually intermeshed them more so than any other story at the time. But Invasion was, okay, we're just making a set. And they're like, well, 
okay, it's evasion. Uh, and so one of the things that they had done was that there was a symbol for the co- uh, coalition, and then they tried to fit the symbol in wherever there was a kicker. And anyway, if, if you ever look at invasion, you can find all these random symbols because we were trying to show that, well, if you had a kicker, you would have a symbol. And that, that, that kind of taught us, not that we, we learned this lesson at the time, but, you know, trying to connect direct visual things to mechanics can get very complicated. Oh, here's another silly story. Um, just because I'm showing silly stories. So, Mercadian Masks was coming out when we were designing Invasion, and uh, the continuity, people who were in charge of the naming at the time, named Mercadian Masks with the spelling they did, with the, uh, the Q-U-E, and we were really like, come on guys, can't we just spell it M-A-S-K-S? Like, no, it doesn't mean exactly the same thing. We're like, but no one's going to know how to spell it, and they're going to mispronounce it, and, and anyway, we lost that fight. Uh, but out of protest... We took the file invasion and we changed all the playtest cards so instead of a K appearing, a Q U would appear. Um, so, for example, imagine the card Black Knight had been invasion. I mean, it wasn't, but imagine it was. It would have been B L A C Q U Q U N I G H D, and so that caused all sorts of confusions. Um, I think it's funny because I mean R and D definitely has a rebel quality to it, but I think as time goes on. Back in the day, we were definitely a little more... We'd make statements and we'd do things. We don't do that as much anymore. Um, although I think also R&D is more established than we were. And back then, we were kind of the young upstarts, which, which is no, no longer the case. Um, we're neither young nor upstart anymore. Um, anyway, Invasion came out, and it was very well-received. Um, it was definitely... Um, I mean, I think Tempest was the first thing I did that just really went over well with the public. I mean, really, really went over well. And Invasion was kind of the second thing, where just people ate it up. Um, and there was a bunch of things. One was, it really cemented for us how popular, you know, gold and traditional multicolor is. Um, and also, I, I think it just, I think Kicker was a very popular mechanic. I think it showed us kind of what Kicker could do. Split cards obviously went over like gangbusters. Um, oh, anyway, I see the wizard sign. So... Um, I think uh, I think that's all we're going to have for today. Got to wrap it up. Um, but I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, making Invasion was fun. And uh, join me next time. It's time for me to go make some magic cards. <laughs>